bum, slum, slum, gullion, slum, gullion, we've got season two of the slum, gullion, Jeff and Scott still host the slum, gullion, I still don't know what that word means. Well, it is the end of the year, and you know what that means. It's Star Wars time, but this is not just any ordinary Star Wars. Oh, no, 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 no. Now, Scott, uh, John, and Blanche will be discussing the film in depth uh, later on. But right now, by the way, I'm Jeff. Uh, a couple time zones behind me is Scott with me. Hey, Scott. Hey there. Yeah, but now we're we are even though we haven't talked about the film really, we've talked about it off camera, so to speak. Uh, we're not going to talk about the film per se. Oh no, no, no. We're going to talk about the um, reaction to the the, the movie. Uh, uh, Scott, I, I have to ask um, since I have not listened to the to um, you guys talk about it. What was the overall consensus of the movie for you guys? Uh, you mean as far as likes and dislikes? Yeah, be non-spoiler since everyone's going to hear it soon. I just want to know personally, did you guys, more or less, did y'all like it? The opinion was divided in a way that oddly mirrors the general response to it, or so I've been reading. It was not universally beloved, and it was not desperately despised, uh, but there were issues. That's, that is a very nice teaser. I am intrigued. Ooh. But, okay, we're going to start this. I have a proclamation that I would like to issue to all of the denizens of the Slum Gullivers. If you happen to know anybody who signed the petition to have Star Wars Episode Eight officially removed from canon, I think they have 500, maybe 600 signatures now. That's not the point. The point is if you know any one of them, kick them in the nuts for me. And if they do not have nuts, pretend they do and kick them. I realize we're mixing body parts here because you're yes. talking about nut kicking and I'm talking about the level of butt hurt. That goes around. <laughs> but basically, basically everything's happening below the waist and yes. and nowhere near the brain because there has been some incredibly stupid. I am all about honest differences of opinions. And yes. I am all about people hating what I love and me hating what they love in a, in, you know, in a general spirit of give and take. Because I think that that makes for an interesting discussion. I the, the hardest shows we've ever done, in my opinion, are the shows where we saw something we all loved, and then it's just like, wasn't that great? That was so great. How many ways was that? Great? I don't know. We got we got some good. We got some interesting conversation out of Wonder Woman. I thought, but we, I do agree with you. You're right. Sometimes it can be a little bit heaping praise, heaping praise. We did. No, no. I, it's not. It's not impossible. It's just more of a challenge. But the thing about this is I, I, I don't even mind if someone is is snooty and above it all and condescending. And how could you peasants possibly have liked this? It was so stupid for this, this and the other reason. That's fine. Have your snooty opinion. Feel superior to everybody else. But what I cannot abide personally is people who take popular entertainment seriously and personally. It's like, really go to your job, get a good night's sleep, maybe check in on your family. Do you have a pet? Go take it for a walk. Really put your penis, put your penis into something. Go ahead. Yes, exactly. Take your foot out of your mouth, put your penis in something useful, because now you're taking uh, this personally. You are. 
I don't even know what to say about you. I, I, because I'm not taking, you're taking it personally, personally, but I, or I seriously, sad. or seriously. Now we must begin. Uh, I don't know if you heard this or not, but um, they uh, there have been it has been I believe confirmed that the Rotten Tomato score was was review bombed. Yes, there was some Russian style bot work that apparently tipped the tipped the balance, which is why there's such a a gross disparity between the critical uh, appraisal and the popular audience opinion. And, and, and that, did you that's, hear why? That's not unheard did you hear of. why? Well, that's not unheard of. But the the other thing is, it's it's wild. There's a wild disparity between the Rotten Tomatoes audience response and uh, Cinema Score, which which also I was Cinema Score gave an eight, didn't it? An A, as an I a, recall, yes, right? Right. So that that made people think that they were that they were tampering with the results on on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Did you hear how they did it? Uh, uh, how they did it, no. But the group that, or the person that um, that took credit for it, did this because he. Uh, the, what was the one quote that made me laugh? Oh yes, um, Luke Skywalker and Poe Dameron were in danger of being turned gay. Yeah. Well, you know, I think we all face that danger every single day. But it's no, it's no reason to make up a bunch of bots. <laughs> so so right off the bat okay just for us and g's we do know that the that the rotten tomato score which i never paid a shit amount of attention to anyway i've never understood rotten uh rotten tomatoes or metacritic i don't get the whole idea of like ratings because as has been proven time and time again those types of particular things can be hacked <laughs> right. I mean, I, I get the, I get the algorithm for aggregating and amalgamating and I guess weighting the average of actual critical reviews that are published somewhere. You know, cer- a certain number of them were were positive, a certain number were negative. However, when you get any kind of online poll, any kind of online input from the Internet writ large, it's going to get gamed. That history shows us that, if nothing else. Uh, it, it just, uh, so, um, I, I decided to, sorry, dive into the swamp and Better I you got me, on, friend. I understand, I understand, uh, and, and you were wise to stay away, but this time one of us had to, so I took one for the team and you knew I would take this one for the team, didn't you, Scott? I did. Yeah. That's why I didn't bother getting anywhere near this. I didn't even dip a toe in the swamp. I thought, nope, Jeff's neck deep in it right now. Yeah, and the reason that I got that, why I, I jumped into the swamp, is honestly not because I wanted to get into arguments with these people because I I, I don't care. It's because it's well, a movie. Well, you don't do that. I mean, you don't argue. You you will state your no. opinion and say, you know, go ahead and hate, and you you kind of ignore. But I was utterly fascinated by the hatred for 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 this film because I have not. Th- this is worse than Phantom Menace backlash. You know, but Phantom Menace backlash was, I mean, here I'm betraying my own prejudice oh, no. oh, because oh, I'm going, uh, that was perfectly justified because it, there was so much uh, anticipation. So many years have gone by and then finally we get, and it's George Lucas and, and we're well, finally- Well, not only gonna, that. And, but not only that. The disappointment was keen. 
Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I don't. I, and what I think is hysterical, and this will this will uh, come back into play later, is now there are a lot of people saying that the prequel trilogy is misunderstood. Like I said, that will come back later. Sorry, but The Phantom Menace is just a bad film. There are people who say that Jeffrey Dahmer was misunderstood. <laughs> You can argue Attack of the Clones. I don't think you can. I think Attack of the Clones is a horrible film, too. I think Revenge of the Sith, honestly, is the one film that you could argue there is a case for not sucking. But that's neither here nor there. Um, I'm sorry. Attack of, especially, especially Phantom Menace, it's a bad film. It's just a bad film. I do not see... The, that kind of badness in Last Jedi. Now then, do I think it is perfect? No, no film is. I am not going to go into my complaints. I'm sure that my complaints will be addressed by you guys in the discussion. Well, I don't think that complaints are the issue. I don't think problems with the quality of the motion picture are the issue in what we're talking about right now. What we're talking You're about right. right now, it, it has nothing to do. It has nothing to do with with critical acumen. It has nothing to do with with people who feel betrayed because the filmmakers failed on an aesthetic level. It's got nothing to do with that. It has to do with fandom butthurt. It's like they don't like what was done with the characters. Not what was done with the characters in the context of the story. Not what was done with the story. It's like, no, how could you make Luke this bitter? I mean, the the complaints are legion. We all know what they are. And they all have nothing to do with how well the film was executed. It has to do with how you think your hero should be treated. And what is interesting about, especially while, while, while wallowing through the mud, is now I'm talking solely about the hatred. The people who are saying, like they did in 99, the, the, the Lucas rape my childhood hatred, okay? All of the pure Disney's fucking destroyed stuff. Star Wars horseshit. That's what I'm talking about. I am not talking about intelligence and well-reasoned criticism, okay? Let's make that distinction here. But... Every single video that I watched, and I watched at least 30 videos, and I watched them all the way through. Did you? I can't. I've never. I never. I try. I start with the best of intentions, and I never make it. I had to. I had to with this because the more I watched them, the more my theories gained. I just. I needed to make sure I was right. Okay. So I watched a bulk of them, and yes, I could have watched just the beginnings, but anyway, well, I had to hear their arguments, uh, well, quote-unquote arguments, and, and we'll get to the arguments in a second, but here's just some empirical data. Every video that I watched featured a white male born way past 1977. Oh, okay. Every single one of them. Young white guys. Now, I am not saying there are haters who are not white. I am not. I am saying as I watched 30 videos, all saying more or less the exact same thing, all from the exact same demographic. Now, the white thing, I really don't care about that. Yeah, we know there's some racism going on here. We do. That just is. What are you going to do about it? I find it's the fact that these people are all in their 20s. To be much more interesting. The olds, the first generation Star Wars babies are discussing the movie. As we are. The because first, because yes, that's exactly. what they, the first gen Star Wars babies describes us to a T. You know, I mean, it just it seems like the older Star Wars fans, even the ones that don't like it, are, are are presenting it in. Well, this does. this is a flaw. This is a flaw. This is a flaw. Now, 
Okay, I have to deviate for a second because there are a couple of people that I follow on Twitter that I have known for a long time who have been citing a particular review as summing up their feelings as to why they didn't like The Last Jedi. Now, for the most part, this review is... While I may agree or disagree with the flaws that are pointed out, some of them are valid, some of them I would disagree with, as you would with all reviews, correct? Correct. Okay, now then, here is the part that I had a problem with this review. There is a paragraph where they talk about, um, was it, introducing non-white characters is okay, but... Focusing on the non-white characters at the detriment of the main white canonical characters is, and I am using the exact phrase here, unacceptable. Really? Let me clarify something just for my own peace of mind here. Are yes. they saying they don't, they were upset with all the new characters that were thrust into the foreground? Or did they actually talk about skin color? And no, that that's that's what was said. Focusing on these new characters that are that are non-white, as opposed to our main characters who are traditionally white. Well, that's interesting because you usually get a much more dispassionate view from the critic of Der Stormer. And and the word that was used was unacceptable. And like I said, everything else in that review could be intelligently debated. You know what I mean? Every other point that was made in the... And it was a long rant, okay? It was not a hate-filled rant until that one particular paragraph. And that paragraph puts that entire thing in question for me. You know what? I thought we were done with this when the whole... Uh, how can there possibly be a black stormtrooper controversy flared with the last film how did this i know i now the other big bone of contention apart from rose oh some people just despise rose what is rose doing in this film rose has no purpose whatsoever being in a star wars film well her purpose seems the other big purpose seems to be to fall in love with finn in about 18 hours she's uh this is a woman uh, who really understands the concept of speed dating. <laughs> well, they are in a galaxy far, far away and reenacting 33 from Battlestar Galactica. So, I mean, you got to do it fast. They are exactly reenacting 33 from Battlestar Galactica. I mean, Galactica. it's 33. It is. It is. I mean, hey, as, they, as, as the smarter mavens of pop culture say, yeah, everyone steals. Just make sure you steal from the best. Exactly. And you might as well steal from the greatest piece of science fiction in the history of history, period. But in all caps, uh, flashbacks. The other big bone of contention is, of course, and you knew this because you've already alluded to it, Luke Skywalker. And here is the thing. Once again, most of the Luke Skywalker wouldn't be this grumpy old man is coming from the young set. Yeah. There are even people, and this is coming from the older set, it seems to be, who may not, while they do not, maybe not like Luke's, uh, what Luke does in the film or Luke's portrayal, they're giving kudos, massive kudos to Mark Hamill's performance. And and rightly so. And Just rightly so, right. It's an amazing, it is, I will say this, it is an amazing performance. Um, but, you know, I mean, but it, it once again, it's the way, way, way past 1977 crowd who all they're saying is, this isn't Luke Skywalker, fuck this, blah, blah, blah. And again, 
I, it makes me giggle. I, I don't understand it. And I think I've officially become that. I am officially now grumpy McGrump nuts because I look at the youngins and I don't understand what they're talking about. I think I do. I, th- I think they identify with Luke in his 20s when his biggest fear was becoming his father. Um, <gasps> oh, my God, Scott. Wow. You just gave me a huge paradigm shift with no clutch. Wow, that makes a shit ton of sense. Considering who's giving most of that hate. Wow, that wow, thank you. I'm 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 a bit resolved now. Right. Very good. What are friends for? Now exactly. But I mean it's it's I've now officially decided that um even though I have problems with this movie, I am never going to talk about my my I am never going to talk about my problems with the film except in joke form. And as far as I am concerned, this is the best Star Wars film ever entirely to, to piss off everybody who hates the film. <laughs> as spiteful as that is, oddly enough, you are fighting uh, a tsunami of negative energy that's being released into the universe with uh, its its opposite number, which in this case is positive energy, despite the fact that it is spite fueled positive energy. But so. in a way, in a way, in a way it is, but it is also fueled by my firm belief. And I was actually going to write this up as a kind of a paper. And I may still do this to try and like put my thoughts in a more cohesive form, but this is my... Uh, my 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 thesis is that Ryan Johnson has saved Star Wars by destroying it. False and all, I think. As much as I do not like Disney and as much as I am frightened by the fact that Disney is running everything, as a first-gen Star Wars baby, I really have no problem with the way they're handling Star Wars except for the books, but that's a debate for another day. Yeah. Well, you know what? When you say you think he saved, he saved Star Wars by destroying it, I, I think that's borne out by the response that The Force Awakens got, because The Force Awakens was uh, clearly a love letter to the original trilogy, was very similar, and t- had, had a lot of retreaded plot points. And it but also, as we said, it, it needed to be, though. As we sure. said, it needed to be that. I, 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 neither you nor I had a quarrel with that approach, but we, nope. I think we mentioned at the time that having done this, it illustrated the limits of mm-hmm. nostalgia and looking backward. And we were saying at the time that the next film better take a sharp detour into something new because if they do this again. It, it, people are, are going to start to turn away or get bored and or, get <laughs> or get angry, or get angry, which they did when they got something new, because as, as much as they say it would, they'd like to be intellectually challenged. People are like cats. They don't like change. They just like to say they like change. At least cats aren't hypocrites about it. <laughs> you know, I think that says it all right there. Um, we will, uh, Scott and the rest of the new movie crew will be right back to discuss The Last Jedi in more depth. All I am going to say is... Even before the hate, I saw it before it came out at a preview. I needed to see it again because it was a lot to ingest, and it has problems. Every film does, but I liked it a lot. Now, let's see what everybody else thought. (laughs) 
And welcome back. I'm still Scott Clevenger. Jeff Holland is on assignment. And for this special second anniversary edition of the Unknown Movie Challenge, I'm joined by voice artists and new movie crew members, John Zura and Blanche Ramirez. Mary Clevenger is on assignment. Welcome, guys. So Hi. many assignments. So many assignments. Oh, my gosh. That's what happens when you wait to the end of the year. You have to pull a bunch mm-hmm. of all-nighters. So we have all seen The Last Jedi, and we're just going to address our thoughts about the movies. We're not going to talk about the controversy. We're not going to talk about the Sturm und der Drang in fandom. Frankly, I think uh, the movies in itself provides uh, considerable fodder for discussion. Lots of stuff happened. Lots of stuff. I thought those Jedi's are never going to die. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. They're like, they're like cockroaches, the Jedi. So let's start off with just quick reactions, whether we generally liked it or disliked it on balance and then we'll get into the whys and the wherefores so john well blanche and i are agreement that uh it's it was we liked the movie but it wasn't like this momentous wasn't this this thing that uh that uh really wanted to say oh that was so great and blanche will probably expand on that why why that was true um because she's she's got that all together uh, but generally, that, that yeah, that was my feeling. Is as, as a movie, yeah, it was it was good. It was fun to watch, but it wasn't like oh my gosh, I got to see the next one, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Blanche. Um, I thought it was okay. It was an it was an okay movie. It was. I thought I, I thought it was just an okay Star Wars movie. I'm kind of ambivalent about it. I um I I'm also the type of person who who I really don't like hearing about a movie before you go into it because um, I find it really colors my opinion and unfortunately I I didn't he- I wasn't spoiled but I I just heard you know and you and I talked about this but um you know oh it's the best movie since Empire mm-hmm. and um and that puts that sets it somewhere in my mind like wow okay. And and it wasn't well, but then you and I discussed it, saying, "Well, maybe it is actually, or at least." And and yeah, you had be- mentioned the uh, you had mentioned why why you thought that was why what it was missing. I mean, both movies are kind of bridge movies, right? They're in the middle. They don't necessarily resolve anything, and that's that's okay. But Empire, the ending left you like, "Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, when's the next movie coming out? Holy shit, what's what's going on?" If you were highly invested in the in the shipping the relationship if you were coming at it from that angle leia and han just said i love you in their own way and then he's frozen in carbonite what mm-hmm. what how can that be and 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 darth vader has won at that point and then of course the big reveal at the end is luke i'm your father and then and luke's arm uh, hand is cut off and dramatic and it's momentous and you leave with a whole, you know, the whole, your whole notion of what is happening is turned upside down. And, ah, what you thought was, isn't. And and it was amazing and momentous. And this didn't do that. The only thing that so. seemed momentous in this one was the fact that uh, uh, they sent out a call using Leia's special code and nobody came. Because mm-hmm. nobody cared. Yeah, and, and so that's why I, I do think it's an unfair comparison. And so that's why I believe I I was set up to think that. Mm-hmm. 
and that didn't happen. Right. <laughs> and so that's uh, that. So just to explain where I think maybe I'm coming from, that left me going, oh, well, it's more of an out with the old, in with the new episode. It's more of a set up the next chapter story, and it's okay. The thing that they tried to do to get that feeling was the the little kid talking about what happened there and stuff, and showing that he's a power and stuff like that. So, so okay, so we see that there's something coming, but it isn't this. Wow, that's amazing! I have to see because how's this turn out? No, now we have to wait until the next one to find out how anything turns out. Well, know, it's a rather. it's a new new hope. Yeah. It's the newest hope. As Blanche said, we were talking about this after the movie. And while I ordinarily don't care about spoilers, they they generally don't affect my opinion of a movie going in. I really did try to avoid them in this case. And I had heard the same thing. It it was inevitable, no matter how diligent you were about quick scrolling through your Twitter feed. And some people were saying, oh, it's the best movie since Empire. And we were talking about that. going, Well, really... How hard is that? Because the next movie after Empire was The Return of the Jedi, which frankly wasn't that good of a movie. And then the next movie after that were all those horrible prequels. And then after that was um, The Force Awakens, which, you know, I liked, but was there, there was a lot of uh, a lot of rehashing, a lot of a lot of rechewed cud like material in that it's a um, lot of old home week stuff exactly I, but it was fun i mean it was fun to get all that back yeah it was like it was I, like it was like the it was like the one rare fun high school reunion yes <laughs> can i can i throw in the fact that i hated that they that lucas removed the jub jub song and that he used uh uh christian christian hayden whatever his name is hayden christian uh, hayden, hayden that's it uh instead of uh the you know the guy that actually played Darth Vader all along, uh, you know, yeah. So wh- why didn't you put in Obi Wan Kenobi instead of uh, Alec Guinness? You know? Yeah, you and McGregor. Yeah. So yeah. it just, it just, I really hated that, and uh, and unfortunately, probably he's got some clause that doesn't let anybody bring back the original. But see, I had I had a tape of that movie of the soundtrack of that movie, and I used to hear that Jub Jub song all the time. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. See, there are there are those of us who actually well i was at the right age to thoroughly enjoy return of the jedi when it came out so i was i loved the e you know i loved the ewoks i was that little girl mm-hmm. and um i don't want to see them now because i'm afraid I, i'm sure i'll hate them but those ewok movies that they put on tv you know return mm. was it return to endor or whatever i saw those on tv and i thought it was fun i mean it was perfect for actually when you think back how how nice, I guess, of George Lucas not to ignore the little girls because it was it was such a thing that could easily be going, oh, you know, it's such a it's such a boy genre. But, you know, those the Ewoks and the, the those movies with the little girl being the protagonist and, and, and Wicket and whatever, those, that was for the, the little girls who were fans. And there wasn't and, much. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, especially then. Exactly. So actually, I know people love to hate him, but get, cut him some slack. I mean, especially in this day and age when we're trying to recognize, you know, the role of women in the world. Uh, that was awfully, awfully nice. So anyway, we've gone off on a tangent because I know, but but I credit where I credit just, is due. George. Yeah. 
let's I, let's not hate so much. You know, the interesting thing about this as a bridge movie versus Empire is that Empire, as you said, was such a cliffhanger in so many ways. There were so many things hanging from so many cliffs. It was just a dangle fest. And you couldn't wait, at least I couldn't, two years to find out what happened. This one, mm-hmm. even though it's a bridge, I can easily wait to find out really anything. What do I desperately have to know? Are we going to wait until the kid grows up? I don't know. But... Here's the thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. We're going we're gonna to have a long time to solve. I mean, the thing about that, that last shot of you know, the kid, the broomstick boy, as they're calling him, force pulling the broom to him and then just sort of standing there and staring up at the stars, that could easily be the end of the last film in this trilogy. Yeah. You know, it doesn't really set up anything right. specifically that I'm waiting, I'm waiting to see resolved in the next movie. That's just yeah, about the future. Exactly. It just says, you know, the Jedi never die. The The force is everywhere, even in this little, little slave boy. I mean, I get it. It's, it, it, it was supposed to be really bleak, right? Oh no, we've sent out our, our distress calls using Leia's code. She's the beacon of hope and nobody answered. Uh oh, hope is dead, right? There's no right. more hope. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then Luke shows up. He is the the other symbol of hope. He's the other Skywalker, and totally schools uh, Kylo Ren. And then that story reaches everywhere. You know that that's what we're supposed to get, right? That that story of him schooling the First Order because uh, he's a total badass and the Jedi rock. Um, reaches the little broom boy, it, it, little slave in the far reaches of the galaxy, and 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 he's got the he's got the force. He's got all the midi chlorians running through his body, mm. and and he's the future, or at least it won't never die, even even if there there's only one left. So it's a like I said, I feel it's the new new hope. That that's what this thing says. There's a whole swath of this movie that I say is was that whole throwaway. Middle part of this movie, a setup. Gosh, I hope it is, because otherwise I could have done without it. Yeah. Um, and was is he also part of the future? Are we gonna have a time jump, which would make perfect sense. All the the old movies always did huge time jumps. Um, or is he just to say, "Haha, just kidding." Forces out there, you know. Don't well, don't lose hope. Well, considering that uh, that the next movie is supposed to be uh, centered around Leia, and that's not going to happen, I'm just wondering if they actually went and reshot the ending after she died. I hadn't heard anything, but you know, I wonder. I, I hadn't heard anything either, and and I, I think you put your finger on something on a major reason why this movie doesn't feel cliffhangery to me, because it it does seem like whatever they set up is going to have to be changed in light of her death. So it's like, I, I, I don't care, <laughs> you know, what happens. I, I don't care if they reach safety or it's, it's weird that her survival becomes all the more important than it even than it would or under ordinary circumstances, simply because we love her as a character in light of the fact that they purposely killed off Luke. So she's the sole, you know, aside from her son, the sole surviving Skywalker. And yet she died off camera. So what the, these, these real life occurrences inform the experience of watching the movie in a way that I hate. So it, it kind of distanced me from the whole thing. And I'm thinking thoughts that 
during the movie that I probably, if if Carrie Fisher were still alive and we're going to carry on in the next film, I wouldn't be thinking. Like, for instance, when they 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 uh, send out a distress call to the Outer Rim. Um, ah, there it is. There it is. The, the, resist, the resistance is calling. Hello. You've reached your allies in the Outer Rim. We're not in right now, but please leave a message. Uh, so I'm sitting there watching that, and I'm just thinking to myself, rather than, oh, no, is someone, is someone going to respond? Or, oh, no, hope has died. I'm just thinking of like people, their, their allies sitting in the Outer Rim screening their calls. You know, do um, you, you want to get it? I don't want to get it. <laughs> I don't, don't. Don't, don't answer. Don't. It's the Skywalkers. Don't answer. Well, you bring up an interesting point. Because and I hadn't thought about it in, in that way about the whole I don't care you know because Carrie Fisher died knowing that 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 the third one was supposed to be her film right the first was Hans second one was Luke's the third one was supposed to be Leia's mm-hmm. uh, and that's not gonna happen I I really hadn't thought about it that 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 my lack of enthusiasm was because of that uh, I listened to another podcast talking about this movie except it, it, it's a podcast that never talks about movies it's actually a sports podcast but the, <laughs> the biggest that is star star wars they had a whole podcast that was dedicated to the movie which i thought was kind of funny they're like okay this is not what we usually talk about we got to talk about this movie um but and, and i kept yelling at the podcast because they kept complaining about stuff only because they knew Carrie Fisher had died. Not about, like, was it bad for the film? Was it bad storytelling? Was it that the scene with Leia in space? They kept hating it because, why did you let her live? That would have been a perfect time. What could have been? Da, da, da. And I'm like, you know, you're thinking about that knowing that she was mm-hmm. dead. You're not thinking about it as, you know, when they wrote this film, that had nothing to do with Carrie Fisher's real life death. Excuse me. <laughs> I feel bad saying that. Um, you can't think about it that way. You can't let it inform your opinion of the story because when they wrote it, she wasn't, she wasn't dead. She wasn't going to be dead. And when they filmed it, obviously she wasn't, but I didn't think about what you said, Scott, which is that maybe my opinion at the end and lack of enthusiasm for the next one is because of that. Like I'm, I'm allowing that to color my opinion, even though I was actively, cursing those people mm-hmm. because they were letting that inform their opinion about this movie. Well, I think it's, I think it's inevitable. Um, and I think it's blinded people to certain story elements that if you take a moment to think about it are, are obvious, but I've, I've heard the same thing. This, this, this is, this is uh, another tangent, but my brother, Miles, who is big star Wars fan involved in the, what was the, the 501st, you know, Stormtrooper costume brigade, except he's a Jedi. Anyway, they're, they're the Lucasfilm-approved um, costume group. They go, they go to hospitals. They appear in parades. They appear at special events. They, they do charity. They're the Jedi they're, reenactors. Yes, Jedi reenactors. They're very serious. Their costumes are amazing and, and, and intricate in every detail. They, they do a lot of creative and unexpected characters from from books, from uh, cartoons, from games, not just from the uh, from the movies, and 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 not just the marquee characters, a lot of obscure figures. And the one thing he said to me was he wished they cut out the Mary Poppins shot. Uh, and, and that that may be that he didn't like the fact that Leia survived explosive decompression, or he didn't he just didn't like the way it was shot. And and granted, it it was a little 
goofy looking. But I've heard people who, who've gotten very angry about it because they think, no, no, that's the perfect way for her to die. And yet we wouldn't have had that, the reunion between Luke and Leia in the mm-hmm. last act, which was, to me, one of the highlight moments of the film. I agree that it looked a little funny. So that, that's just a commentary on how it was shot. Mm-hmm. It looked awkward. They didn't, they didn't maybe get it right. But I honestly don't have a problem with her surviving that. Hale, Neil deGrasse Tyson says it's possible to survive in space for a tiny amount of time. Mm-hmm. And none of us are full of the force like she is. Kier Dulay did it in 2001, A Space Odyssey. And, and it's been done a lot. Uh, if you're an Expanse fan, it's done in Expanse. Hmm. Um, who else? Gar- well, Gar- Gar- Guardians of the Galaxy. Of course, he's the he's he's the son of God, so you know he gets a big pass. Right. Uh, but that's no that. different than having the Force, really. <laughs> really, yeah. <laughs> My thing was the uh, the fact that oh yeah, not so much that she was there, uh, surviving in space because I knew the stuff from the Expanse and all the other ones, but that uh, she was, had the ability to fly, uh, and but that was explained very well. My Blanche explained to me. Someone explained it on, online, saying that. Um, the ship having a greater inertia than she did, she wasn't flying. She was pulling the ship, but it ended up pulling her. Right. Uh, and so, and I said, okay, that I'll buy. I accept that totally now. Yeah. Also, I take great exception to people getting angry that she's flying through space uh, when they didn't seem to have a problem with space bombers that drop bombs mm. in space. That mm. is the bigger... Physic I, I blunder. Assume, I assume they were that, magnetic. That, oh well, thank you for that great assumption. And because that entire they, ship is anti-magnetic. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's a no, big... that was the hugest. That was the biggest. Yeah. Like what? Yeah. Physics faux pas that they had bombers where you dropped bombs in space. That kind of doesn't happen. They would just stay there. They mm. would stay in the ship you could release them and they would just stay there uh they would continue on their present course because of inertia and 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 so when i hear people complaining about this other thing i'm like no 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 no. (laughs) that has you know the force and jedi and mysticism and you can explain that away but but the ships the bombers (laughs) nothing to do with the force that's basic physics well you since you brought up the bombers uh, that was one of my issues that, uh, okay, so Poe, uh, against orders, led a raid that ended up losing all their bombers, and hundreds of people died, and they say, that's it, you're demoted. <laughs> <laughs> I go, I guess you can't fire the hero. Well, yeah, and I heard of- people complaining, because when Laura Dern came on and took over, they are like, but why wasn't Poe in charge? He's so, like, hi, he just, he just slaughtered their entire bomber fleet. I'm surprised no. that the other people in the resistance weren't like, you, you had my, my those are my friends you had killed. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the fact that um, Rose Tico, the new character introduced uh, in this film, who teams up with Finn and goes to the possibly not entirely necessary uh, casino scene, seems to have no problem with Poe, even though he literally got her sister killed. He's in fact, yeah. in fact, Poe was yelling at his, at her sister. Yes. Hurry up and die. Come on. Not yeah. like get out of there. Literally suicide mission. Yeah. And that's an order. I did learn something. So mm-hmm. you know how uh, when we saw how these these ships when they come out of hyperspace they go zoop 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 right. Yep. And to a stop. 
Well, apparently, when you come out of hyperspace, you still have some mass and momentum until it slows down. So that's what Laura Dern used when she hyperspace. You know how they always say, you know, we have to calculate the the, mm -hmm. uh, the uh, jump or else we could end up inside of a planet. Right. Well, they they calculated the jump so that they come out right by the on the ship there. And it just that it the momentum slices through the entire ship. Yeah. A lot of people <laughs> are it has to slow down. Oh, okay. Because a lot of people were talking about that. Was well, if that was possible, why didn't anybody ever do that before? Why yeah, they... but that's bullshit. I mean, I heard that as well. Mm -hmm. But they say that as if you know that they have an endless army. They're they're not creating clones. They have only so many people. So to kamikaze people is baloney. That Unless was... they're saying autopilot, but still. Yeah, they're saying, well, why not put droids in and, and program them? To... But again, that's the thing about the, the, their ships are, are dwindling. They have a short, they have a, they have a limited number. And Which... no, except for the Imperial Japanese Navy, as you say, nobody bases their doctrine on suicide attacks. Also, because Which... people are talking about that. Why didn't they do that with X-Wings? Now, you have to say X-Wings, the, the mass of an X-Wing Versus the ship that that Laura Dern used, the huge difference. That that yeah. ship held X wings within its hull, within itself, and transport. That yeah. is a and transport exactly. That was a massive ship. There's a huge difference. So the cost effectiveness versus the eff efficacy of the attack. I mean, I I think people people think about go why didn't they do that and they don't actually think about the details and and that's what real nerds do. We think about the actual. <laughs> the mass yeah, ratios. <laughs> the the cost effectiveness was pointed out in a in a thing that I was going to save until frustrating. But the fact that apparently they've never invented autopilot, so Laura Dern had to pilot the ship, mm. and they didn't. They thought that she was worth less than a droid uh, piloting the ship because they, you know, yeah, we got people, but we can't make, keep making these droids. I I gotta love the 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 weight they give the droids. I mean. I know what you're saying, and it's absolutely true. But if, 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 you know, for for longtime fans, if R two D two had been left behind to pilot that ship, we all would have been very, very sad. Certainly more sad than Laura Dern. Yes, yeah. who we just met. <laughs> I know we just met this bitch. What do we know? No, unless apparently she's in books or something. Mm -hmm. I I don't read the books, and I know people who've read the books are ranting and raving and stuff, and I don't. I want to input something that um, on the other podcast that I heard, which is an interesting point of view, one that I don't have, and none, that, uh, none of one that none of us have here. She was young. She was born in I think the oh hell late eighties or early nineties, so she's really young, and so she didn't grow up with the the first trilogy. Well, actually, she learns about the Star Wars world from video games. Her opinion was very different, and she was just you know kind of shaking her head and she really enjoyed the movie she she was just shaking her head for the um all the the old folks who were complaining saying i don't i don't care you know uh but her point she doesn't see it i mean she says the, the problem is you're stuck in the first three films and i'm not i see the star wars universe i don't see it as the skywalker story and that's where you're stuck and she did have a certain point, certainly for the people who were complaining. I, thankfully, am not complaining like those people are because um, I'm actually quite happy that they're trying to move beyond it. It was an interesting point of view to say, guys, it's not about them. They're just one family. How many other families are there, you know, or how many other 
you know, people that have this. And anyway, so it was an interesting point of view to say that there's so much more to this world um, based on the books and the video games and, and, and then the other movies that are going to come out, which I think Disney is trying to tap into. And was what I guess they've realized that the rest of us old fogies haven't is that there's a whole lot of story to tell that the kids are already aware of that we old fogies are not. You know who didn't see the pre- the uh, earlier films? Hawks did not see the previous films because he kept antagonizing Kylo Ren and anybody who knew what Darth Vader could do, as we saw in in uh, in the earlier films with that uh, choking them from afar, would not get that up in his face. <laughs> Knowing and eventually it happens to him, right? Yep. So well, I didn't I know you was could, I didn't know you could do that. I thought that was so funny because you kept having this back and forth with Kylo about out with the old and with the new. And then he turns around and does the the old choking thing. Like he, he destroys his helmet, right? No more. I'm not. I'm tired of pretending to be Vader. I'm not Vader. I'm Kylo Ren, right? And then he, he turns around and chokes him like what the same he, way Vader did. And so he, he's he's the crossover that we're stuck with because he, he is the crossover, right? Even, even Ray isn't. Uh, I right. think he's the holdover. One thing I liked I I liked about uh, Hux and and Kylo Ren's relationship uh, from the first film and the way they developed it in the second one is they are sort of like two sons of an abusive dad. One is wimpier than the other, but is more of a kiss up. That's his survival instinct. That's Hux. While Ren is the more athletic one who plays high school football like the old man did, and that's how they bond. But of course, if your father's living vicariously through you, no matter what you do, it's never going to be good enough. So Kylo comes in for a lot of verbal abuse, or at least uh, passive-aggressive belittling, even if he doesn't get the his face smashed into the floor like his wimpy brother does. And well, as long as they have a common enemy, they just sort of they just kind of simmer at each other, but that's as far as it goes. And then as soon as dad dies, one of the brothers starts beating up on the younger one. Oh, that was inevitable. So it's this weird sibling relationship they have. You guys said something interesting. The Skywalker saga is coming to an end. Anakin's long gone. They killed Luke and Carrie Fisher has died in real life. So the only Skywalker per se is Kylo Ren. And yes, he could be redeemed and reclaim his name, Ben Solo, just as Darth Vader did in Return of the Jedi. But the fact remains, creative decisions and the Grim Reaper have combined to remove all the marquee characters from the saga. I mean, who's yeah. left? Who's left? And Ch- they should. Ch- Chewbacca? Chewbacca. Chewbacca. And Chewbacca has been recast. So Right, right. Although, you know, uh, Mayhew is still there. He's a Chewbacca consultant and... And good because because I didn't necessarily. I mean, did you feel lost that if any Chewbacca ness, <laughs> no. his reactions? It felt the same, and and I was happy for that because I was worried. You know, it's a different mm-hmm. body in the suit, and would the body language change? And it didn't seem to. There was a, a user on on uh, a reader on io9, and they were talking about the Skywalker saga winding down. And that with Leah dying in the next film, inevitably, they'll be down to Kylo Ren. And this um, reader wrote, yeah, the last Skywalker in the saga should be a whiny piece of crap. But when you think back to the first Skywalker in the saga, Anakin, Uh, he was a whiny piece of crap. So it's kind of perfect. It's really it all comes full circle. It says a lot. It says a lot. Certainly what George Lucas and believes creates a a, a tyrant. (laughs) our current political system aside, 
Oh, did it? I'm sorry. Um, the the whiny, petulant person is the 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 power hungry. You have to respect me, mm-hmm. person, mm-hmm. right? And I'll show you the rest of people who like don't care. Like, hey, I'm doing my own thing. It's all good. And oh, you don't like me? Well, then that's okay. I don't have to like you either. I'm gonna gonna give you the time of day and move on with my life, which is what I think most people do. And, and those people can't get over it. That's who become Darth Vader. That's who become Kylo Ren. That's a very good point. And since you brought it up, I, it seems like there was more, I don't want to say specific political references, but the whole Canto Bite tangent seems there largely to, one, kind of debunk the Manichaean dichotomy that the films have always pushed, the black and white, light and dark, and admit that there's more gray, that yes, these these awful people have gotten rich selling weapons that kill innocent villagers on various planets, but they sell them to both sides. Luke himself says at one point when uh, Ray is in her little trance and she senses the, the source of darkness on the island, he said, yes, great, great light, great darkness. I think they're going toward a more interesting, uh, I mean, there, there's the concept in, in, um, Star, in the Star Wars universe of, of the gray Jedi, which are people who sort of straddle a line between light and dark and don't believe that there's only one way and you have to choose up sides. And that's a really simplistic explanation. But I think if you're if they're going to redeem Kylo Ren, it, he's never going to be infused with white light and, and be a good guy. It would have to be sort of as an antihero. That's the best they can do, considering that we first meet him slaughtering innocent villagers. For absolutely no it's, reason. It's the Slytherin Jedi. It's the, That's hey, right. you can play both sides. It's all good. Right, exactly. That's uh, <laughs> where I think that's where um, uh, Ray lives. Mm-hmm. I think she likes that. She says, no, that's power too. And as long as I don't let it tell me what to do, we're good. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. It's how you use it. And, and I think that's her point of view, maybe. Uh, and it's where... Maybe she thinks she can bring Kylo to because he, again, he's the transition. He's the old world. If he gets redeemed, he's not going to go to the light. He's going to go to the middle. Mm-hmm. And and I, I kind of like that. I, I didn't know that there was this middle-of-the-road Jedi, but that's exactly where Rey sits. And that may be the future that of, of this world that Disney wants to take you to. It's certainly more apropos for our world today. It's not light and dark. It's not good and evil. It's the the crazy in between gray. Uh, I liked, and, and and I think you're right because um, uh, Luke, when she kind of goes there and says, "Hmm," and you know she goes into that trance and she sees what's there and she kind of feels it out, and he gets so angry. You didn't even try to to resist it. Oh my gosh, how dare you? Like that's it. You know you didn't you didn't reject it outright. You are not on the side of the good. That's mm-hmm. enough. You know, where she's like, what? I just wanted to see what there was. I just, you know, there's nothing wrong with having a taste. You yeah, know? That's why, and that's why he shortchanged her on the three uh, three lessons. He only gave her two. I know, and she paid <laughs> She paid for the full three. I, frankly, exactly. she, you know, but she's, I, she probably just didn't want to be, you know, on the phone with customer service for six hours. Exactly. You know, I don't know if, I don't know if they were trying to make us believe that this was always true of Ring, but uh, she certainly accepted this position of power uh because it's like you know okay i just made a hole in the, in this little building yeah 
they're all fixing it. She's not going, hey, let me help. No. She's like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I did that. Sure. And then, you know, when she <laughs> slices off this this thousand year old spire that's <laughs> that's been there for like thousands of years and it destroys the, the car. She goes, oh, my bad. Sorry. No, <laughs> nothing. It's just uh, there's. There's no like, yeah, okay, yeah, that happens when you have power, you know. Yeah, you, that's that's a good point. You think that somebody who had lived hand to mouth as a scavenger her whole life would would have a little more compassion for these people who are these little these little fish people who are living on the island and having to fix clean up after and fix. She she like when she she destroyed that that monolith. She also wrecked that that creature's uh, Car, wheelbarrow, yeah. and. It's like, you know, she kind of reminds me of like someone who's like been poor and worked a crappy manual labor job their whole life. And then they they win the lottery and they yes. just, just mm-hmm. become insufferable. Um, <laughs> Drunk with her own power. Exactly. Um, now, Scotty, did you happen to see this movie more than once? Yes, I went. I you went did. Back in, I went back. And OK, in. so John and I have not. But I heard from someone else who had seen it. And I don't know if you caught this. Is it true? Uh, that Ray, Ray stole those books. They didn't burn in the tree or anywhere. She did. she did steal them. Right. That that was something that you caught in the second one, not necessarily the first time you see it. Right. I I I caught it. I mean, it's a really really short glimpse because you just see her sh- uh, shoving a drawer closed, and you see the spines of the books. So yes, she did. She basically burgled her master. The bitch. It's a bitch. <laughs> um, speak- no wonder Yoda didn't really care. Yeah, that's. Yeah, it explained that. He's like, ha, mm-hmm. ha, ha, burn. <laughs> it's all gone. And didn't tell didn't tell Luke because 30 years later, he's still fucking with the boy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was the little imp Yoda. Yeah, yeah, he was back. The little imp Yoda. That's good because I got sick of the Yoda from the uh, prequels. Let's, let's talk a little bit about Luke because uh, he's very different in this film. And so much so that when... Mark Hamill first read the script. He was going, "What this? Not what? No, this is like he's like this can-do, optimistic guy, and now he's he's this withdrawn, depressive hermit." That's uh, but he came around to the way the film depicts him. What did you think? Basically, one of the one of the things that bothered me about the the, the film before to this time is that uh, they finally just went there. The uh, the Film ended with her holding out this lightsaber and holding out this lightsaber and holding out this lightsaber. And I remember <laughs> commenting, saying, you know, my arm's getting really tired here. <laughs> well, they opened this film with like saying, OK, here, just take it. Right. <laughs> he just gives it to him. <laughs> you know, finally, I'm tired of holding my arm out here. You're not even coming or anything. Yeah. So, do you, yeah, do, you, do you not understand that. what this gesture means? <laughs> has, has nobody ever handed you anything? <laughs> and then, of course, Luke's a grumpy old man. He goes, nobody ever handed anything, me anything in my life. I've had to work for everything. I've had. All right, Grandpa. Yeah, exactly. So, unfortunately, there was a ledge there for him to, for it to fall on when he tossed it over his shoulder into what we thought was the ocean. I believe you that's know? what we call movie luck. Yeah. That's the kind <laughs> exactly. of luck you only have when your camera is pointed at you. But, yeah, I, I personally thought that it was a little much uh, where they had Luke go. Because, yes... He feels he failed and he was the reason Kylo Ren became this this thing that he became. But then to turn to say, that's it. The whole idea is worthless. All of it's, the, you know, the Jedi are all worthless. Da, 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 da. You know, wow, that's a little bit of an overreaction, Luke. 
But and, then you were, we were talking about whining, and I think Luke at the beginning was pretty much of a whiner too. Oh, he's famously he whiny. Was. He's famously whiny. I mean, people, the, the whole. But I was going to go to Tashi Station to get up some, pick up some power converters. Is a watchword exactly. for whiny. That is that is that is one of the original. <laughs> that is one of the original whiny memes. Chip off yeah. the old block. Um, but it kind of goes along with why he, he ended up being the hermit that he was, right? He had an idea of the way things needed to be and would complain if they weren't that way. Mm-hmm. You could see it in Empire when he's with Yoda. What? No, I can't do that. I can't live that. I don't know. Nobody could do that. Exactly. And, and then also when he's an old man, he's learned a lot, but he's still kind of, no, things have to be. A certain way. They're still black and white. And, oh, the Jedi let me down because it's not what I thought it was. Or or people will, will be tyrannical with it. No, no, no. It needs to stay here. It needs to go away. He but decided oddly, the way it has to be. And if it's not that way, he whines. Oddly enough, in my vision, he what he thought the Jedi became is what they were in the prequels, not in the original three. Yeah, that whole little structure that they had and everybody, no, you can't be this, you can't be that. There are rules. And I go, yeah, I would get pissed off with that and say that, you know, the Jedi aren't worth it. But that's from the prequels, not from the three original films. Good point. I think there's a sense in today's world that absolutism and an unwillingness to compromise leads to evil. It doesn't matter how righteous you may think your your mo- your motives are. You can kill a whole lot of so-called infidels as part of a religious crusade and be perfectly confident that your motives and methods are justified. And let's face it, this is to some extent a religious struggle. I mean, Lucas himself has framed it that way. There have been multiple references to the Jedi religion, including in this film. Luke himself says it. And oppress a lot of good people. Certainly with the Jedi, you're talking religious extremism, regardless of the religion, whether it's Jedis or those on our earth. Right. So are you saying that the occult has its uses? Uh, I'm saying that really anybody who finds, you know, their, their way to some sort of grace, it doesn't really matter what their, their path is as long as it's it's uh, benign. But when you start trying to impose your religious scruples on other people, I think that's when you get in, into problems because people tend to resist that. And then, you know, the next step is violence. Um, and and let's face it, it's Star Wars. You know, it's they've they've been fighting over this crap forever. And if you if you do partake of the extended universe or uh, the games, this goes back thousands of years, this conflict between uh, the Sith and the Jedi. And there are numerous people in these ancillary properties, just ordinary characters who say, I'm tired of being a pawn between this in this power struggle between these space wizards. I would like yeah. to just live my life and not have this control everything. There are the I, loads of the people in the in in the in the middle mm-hmm. who don't care about the Jedi or the First Order or the Sith or the Empire, or whatever. They're just like they want to grow their crops or do their trade, mm-hmm. have their family, and move on. They and get in the fallout. No, it's it's a real grown up version. That, that, that Disney is trying to put forward, which I'm really impressed with. I know people are really worried about this, the, the Disney merger with Fox and what's it, what it's going to do to those movies and what about the adult movies that Fox has done and how is that going to change? The, I don't know. I think that's a podcast all in and of itself. But this movie is impressive in that it implies, because this is a Disney entity and these are all Disney films and they're going towards the gray it would have been so Disney to keep it black and white, good and evil. Mm-hmm. 
pretty pristinely simple, you know, made for kids. I actually was impressed that they're 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 heading towards the middle, that there are good and bad people on all sides. Obviously, the um, what's the name of the casino world where they went? Can- Canto Bite. Canto Bite. Uh, yes, it was a little preachy at that point, uh, per- perhaps a little heavy-handed. But I also think it's moving to where we are as a society in this world. I mean, our entertainment is full of anti-heroes, and, and Disney's not shying away from that. I-, I was a little bit impressed. I am too, and I have read or seen complaints about the so-called Disneyfication of Star Wars. And I think it's by people who haven't really thought this issue through because, frankly, the themes in The Last Jedi are much more grown up and mature than anything you see in the previous films. And I don't think it's the the onus here is on Disney. I think it's a function of the fact that Star Wars and its vision is no longer being controlled by George Lucas, who is a very creative person, but I think is an immature thinker. You see that in things such as the ill-advised introduction of midi-chlorians, which is just blue blood by another name. It it makes the Force hereditary, or as we said in Better Living Through Bad Movies, uh, a sexually transmitted disease. It's, it's a special lineage that confers a power that only people with the royal bloodline can command. And as you recall, in the first couple of films, they lean hard on Leia's status as a princess, which is the ultimate fairy tale title. Whereas in The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, she's a general. Uh, and this film democratizes the Force to the point where even a, a, an obscure little slave boy who mucks at a stable can possess it. You know how those royals are. They spread it around all over the place. True, true. Uh, but, but anybody who says that, by the way, is not paying attention because Rogue One was also a wholly Disney-created story and, and everybody, everybody died, died. <laughs> I it know. was just a slaughter and except for the plans actually getting out the empire won i love that movie i know so, it was weird when i uh, hear friends of mine who like hated that movie that's another i loved thing. it yeah me too i absolutely loved it it was such a good story there was a, so much gray father trying to get out of the empire and Ben Mendelsohn pulling him back in and 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 making him work and so he decides to work in his own way I mean it was full of gray it was full of gray mm-hmm. yeah he worked for the empire but was he a bad man everybody else thought he was a horrible person because he created the death star but but he he also worked to undermine it at the same time I mean it was so full of gray mm-hmm. and 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 that's a prime example of Disney going to the middle and living in the gray uh Han Solo the new Solo movie, we know Han Solo, you know, we think in Star Wars he redeems himself, but the Han Solo movie is going to, he's the protagonist, and I'm, they're going to probably fully tell the stories of his exploits as a smuggler, as a bad guy. Hope so. So. Hope so. That's, that's thoroughly in the gray yet again, but he's the good guy, right? Anybody who wants to complain about the Disneyfication, I think they're wrong, or they need to take another look at it. And uh, maybe maybe reexamine their Disney hate prejudice because Disney, I think, uh, because they want to ex- literally expand their empire, yeah, they want to be relevant to not just the kids that they enamored years ago, but to the adults that they are, are now. We're hoping that the uh, that Fox will be their R-rated division, uh, that like the one they let go, you know, and I, that they keep Fox Searchlight alive. 
Yeah, so des- I, I desperately hope that. Well, you, it's interesting you mentioned Rogue One. I mean, I mean everybody dies in that film, which is fantastic. I don't mean to sound bloodthirsty, but that is fantastic, and that was my favorite thing. But but they pulled off the mission. <laughs> they succeeded. They their their deaths were were tragic but necessary uh, sacrifices for a greater good. The thing that which maybe the bomber deaths not necessarily so. Not necessarily, and also that whole trip to Canto Bight and and Poe's mutiny, none of which worked out. They failed and failed mm-hmm. and then failed again. All they saved were their own lives. The heroes spent a lot of time doing unheroic things and failing at it. The greatest covers a lot of areas, not just not just the Force characters, but just the ordinary people that we think have very clear heroic motives. They do some rather dodgy things. I mean, Poe should end this film in irons. He was a mutineer. <laughs> he really should. He, he nearly got everybody killed. Nearly. He got a bunch of people killed in the beginning and then and then almost finished the job toward the end. So who is the general that Eisenhower shut down? Oh, uh, it was a uh, Truman and uh, you're thinking of Douglas oh, Truman. MacArthur. Was Truman. Douglas MacArthur. MacArthur. Yeah, yeah. He was he was a little MacArthur. It's like, no. He, he was a little Colonel Kurtz. You <laughs> <laughs> <He> went nuts. <gasps> I <laughs> The interesting thing about Luke to me is that, yes, he tried he tried to set up a new Jedi Order. But the fact is, he really didn't know anything about the Jedi Order. He had like, you know, two and a half weeks. Stories. Of, yeah, stories. <laughs> he, had, he had a couple days with Ben Kenobi. He had, a, he had however many <laughs> weeks he had with Yoda. And who told him like, who knows what? Who let's knows be honest. what? Let's face it. Yoda talks a lot of shit. And. <laughs> yes. And then he's got these books. He didn't read. We know he didn't read. He skimmed them. Yoda asked him, did you read them? He's like, well, no, I was going to get around to it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Not not exactly page turners. But Luke, his big fear was that he was going to turn into Darth Vader. And the interesting thing is that in this movie, he didn't turn into Darth Vader. He turned into Yoda. He's a grumpy old dick living alone. (laughs) And, And... and you need no more proof of this concept than the fact that when Yoda's force ghost appears, Yoda immediately starts fucking with Luke. And Luke suddenly seems like he's 30 years younger and a lot less sure of himself. And as we've said, you know, mm-hmm. twice as whiny. Mm-hmm. So that, that was, and I have to say that that was a nice bit of acting from Mark Hamill. And the fact that he could immediately channel young whiny Luke for the, for the length of that scene was nicely done. I will say this, that, and and John probably feels the same way, uh, as someone who's done voice acting and as someone who knows and has, has spoken with and had conversations with other voice actors, it, it's kind of, it, it's an amazing thing, and, and that which is what Mark Hamill is, primarily. Mm-hmm. He does yeah. so much voice acting and he's so good at it. When you do voice acting, it's so freeing. You don't have to worry about so many other things. It, it actually improves your performance because you only have one thing to focus on and you can be free to go wherever you need to go. And it doesn't matter how you look, which is what most actors, let's be honest, are worried about their appearance. What you look like means so much and it's your posture and your... Are you using your eyebrows too much? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Are you uh, is, it a, is it a tight shot or is it a pull down? No, it's true. Mm-hmm. What, what, what's the shot that we're doing today? Is it close up? Because then I have to not move my head or my face. I don't have to... Yeah, exactly. Like you said, John, I, don't have to, I can't raise my eyebrows too much because it's like, whoa, you know, when you're 70 feet in the, you know, on the screen. Yeah. And so voice acting is so freeing. Because then you just kind of let go, and then and then you allow the director to say, "Uh, 
a little less. And that's cool. Um, anyway, that, I guess that was just my point there <laughs> for, okay. for, for Hamill. Okay. My last point is that it made me think about the franchise in a different way. Uh, it made me reexamine a lot of it. Um, one thing that occurred to me that never really had before is that um, while I'm, I'm not sure Yoda is necessarily a good teacher, he's clearly the best teacher we ever meet in the Jedi Order. I mean, you, Luke failed and pushed his dark side flirting apprentice over the edge, and then he just quit. Uh, Obi-Wan admits that he thought, oh, how hard could this teaching thing be? And then help create Darth Vader. But Yoda gave Luke a crash course in Jedi 101 on Dagobah. And that was apparently enough for him to resist the Emperor and, you know, later get his Jedi GED. Apparently he's the one, he's the one competent Jedi teacher. And with just one, it's not surprising this this order keeps self-destructing. I really was impressed about the, the storytelling of this, this Jedi ability that we didn't know about previously. The whole... Being able to connect or, or astro project, astral project yourself, not just visually, but actual physical elements, mm-hmm. you know, which they explained throughout the film between Kylo and, and, and Ray, which was kind of cool because at first you think, oh, there's some secret connection. And it was kind of a twofold use of storytelling. Mm-hmm. It was between explaining their, their connection, but also explaining this ability. It's a Jedi ability. It's not just the two of them, because then, then at the end, it's used by Luke, in, in, in um, engaging Kylo, and you you show that it's also physical, not just visual, and that you see the other person but not their surroundings. Okay, but even more than that, at the end, we learn that Luke not just can project himself, but he projects himself younger and better than he he looks. He's he doesn't yeah. have the scraggly hair. And he looks and younger. A yeah, yeah. And his old lightsaber that 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 Daisy has in pieces. Mm-hmm. Not Daisy. Sorry, <laughs> wrong fandom. Um, mm-hmm. uh, that 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 Ray has. I just thought it was a nice way to explain it throughout. You know, I love when filmmakers can tell a story and explain a device that they're going to use later throughout the film. Um, yeah, that, well, that... And, and still, you know, I just love it. I just I thought it was really well done. That was a perfect example of, of making a virtue of necessity because Ryan Johnson was talking about how um, narratively he had to get Ray and Kylo Ren together. He had to get them talking in order to develop some kind of intimacy so that it would make sense when he would ask her to join him at the end. But he says, I couldn't figure out how to get him in the same room because if they were ever in the same place at the same time, there'd be a fight. So that's where the, the whole force connection thing came through. And then that, as you say wound up setting up Luke's gambit at the end. John, let me ask you, what did you think about Finn's story in the middle? Because to me, it kind of felt like a detour. It was one of those things that if it wasn't in the film, it would you wouldn't miss it. Because, mm-hmm. uh, again, uh, the only thing that we got out of it was the little slave boy at the end. Mm-hmm. You know, they're a familiarity with this, the, with that, that where they are and, and who they work for and stuff like that. But uh, that's a weak reason to go there. Um, but again, mainly because because that that whole thing didn't work out. None of it worked. That the, the plan never never came to fruition. The one thing that that came out of it for me though is that um, the Benicio del Toro character, mm-hmm. 
I was hoping that at the end, when they were about to be executed, and that I don't know what they call those Walker. That's not the Walker. It's the the sprinter. I don't know. You know those little uh, oh the mounted, two the two legged. I think they're called Scout Walkers. The two legged ones. Yeah, right. Started firing and all of this. I I was I was hoping that that was him playing both sides and remotely, you know, because they have control of the things they built, mm-hmm. right? Uh, that he could have controlled it from that ship and and was like. Uh, saying, see, I can play both sides. I got the money, but I can still save you guys. Uh, then I realized, no, they haven't invented remote control because they could have done that with the big ship <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> instead of having Laura Dern pilot it. So <laughs> obviously, they Star Trek, Star Star Trek didn't have remote remote of the Federation <laughs> ships, but not Star Wars. No, they don't know how to do that. We have faster than light travel, but we never invented radio control cars. Exactly. <laughs> Slight tangent, just for this this couple seconds. I I do like how they they accentuated Laura Dern's great uh, lankiness, mm-hmm. her her body type, because they made her very alien in that. And uh, anybody who's an Expanse fan, as soon as you saw it, went, "Oh my gosh, she's a belter! Huh. <laughs> she's a beautiful belter!" and uh, so that that's where where Double. my brain exploded for that. Yes. Someone who grew up in low gravity, yeah. Yeah, long and lean and lanky and everything. It was great. Anyway, go ahead. So, uh, Blanche, you had some thoughts on the on the Canto because I think this is the most uh, controversial part of the film for a lot of people, or at least the most problematic. The Canto bite I, journey. Canto bites. Canto bites. I have so many thoughts on this film. That that section. I. Uh, it was the. I, I hope it is it is my great hope that they used that whole section to set up the next stage of whatever it is they want to do. Not just the next movie, but maybe even the next series of films. Um, because you know they want to to expand beyond the Skywalker saga. This is this is this these three films are the end of the Skywalkers, and they want to go beyond whether it's through the books. Uh, well, Ryan Johnson's already signed to do another trilogy. So, precisely. So he's obviously said, I'm sure he's setting up yes. his next trilogy in this. Okay, good to know. And that makes me hopeful because as it sits, for what we know, there's nothing that happened in this middle section. People say the, the, the what, shit, what is it called? Canto Bite? Canto Bite. Bite, yeah. Not Like just Bagel this, Bites, this, but not as delicious. Yeah. <laughs> Canto, it's just, yeah, it's not just the casino, but but even the on the uh, the ship, the whole segment is seems so unnecessary. We meet a new character, Rose, wonderful person, love her, the, and she's gone, <laughs> and she's gone. Well, no, she's she's she didn't die, right? She's she's no, she just survived. sick. She survived. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's annoying for shippers because now it's a it's a. It's a triangle or it's a whatever. And I, I really don't care. I don't give a shit about shipping in this in the Star Wars realm. I don't care. Uh, so I'm going to put that out there. But I'm hoping that it's setting up the future because, as we know, the, the, the actual Codebreaker was, was played by Justin Theroux, who's a name actor. So maybe he's going to be something in the future. However, it is Star Wars and lots of name actors like to just do cameos. Right. So it could just be throwaway. I tell you what it did do for me is it, it pointed out 
there's the uh, in, in the world of uh, economic structure, et cetera, that there's a galactic war going on, but the rich will remain unaffected. Right. Well, yeah, that's that's the, the gray that is being introduced in this film. Well, that that's the thing that it's also doing. It's also for forwarding that, that gray area storyline that I think Disney is forwarding. It also introduces to Benicio Del Toro's character, which he may be just this episode in the saga, uh, I hope not. If he is, fine. But if not, you know, he, he seemed like the next Han Solo type of character, smuggler, thief type of character. I wonder if they're going to do that. Uh, he might be the new guy. Maybe, maybe not. But other than that, if we're not introducing the new people, oh, also, also in Broom, Broom Boy. But if those people are not being forwarded, Rose, Broom Boy, Del Toro, the Justin Theroux guy... I'm not sure what the hell the point was. It was old home week. We, it was an opportunity to also see old characters that we didn't need to see. I love, as you all know, and on this show, lo- no, I love Lupita Nyong'o. I love anything she does, but I didn't need to see her here. Yeah. Uh, they, they went back to her, and can I tell you what it felt like? I saw this. It was all cartoon. She was just a voiceover. And it felt like when you step onto a a, a ride at Disneyland and you strap in and they say, and they go, oh, hey, hello there. Here's the the quest we had. You need to find this person. And when you find them, we can go on. So are you ready? Let's go. That's what she felt like. I felt when I was sitting there in the movie theater that I was on a Disney ride where the character, the cartoon character on the screen is telling me what the plot is and let's go. That's what it felt like. It didn't feel like a movie. It didn't feel like a real character. It felt like a... like theme, a Theme park ride. Theme park ride. And I hated it. And then then it takes us to, oh, the obligatory, we have to infiltrate First Order Dreadnought and see Phasma, this character that they I- inflicted upon us because she was supposed to be really impressive. And then they kill her off, having accomplished literally nothing. Or maybe they didn't kill her off, as someone explained on, on the other podcast, that her suit is seriously like that you would learn if you'd read the books or play the video games or something because she's introduced elsewhere and told the backstory that it's an awesome suit okay fine but it felt like we have to revisit these these fan favorites just to hit on them and then be done and i didn't like that look if we if 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 phasma was not essential to the story this time don't have her in introduce her again later in the next one you know we will we will remember her uh, same thing with Lupita Nyong'o. Okay. Well, let's go to fascinating, irritating, and let's start with John. Uh, well, the fascinating was, uh, I guess, learning something new, like the the uh, the be able to communicate over over distance and physically communicate, and also uh, that uh, the whole thing with uh, the momentum as you come out of hyperspace, which is what allowed them to, you know, cut through the ship rather than just appear inside of it. You know what I mean? Right. Cause you I go, mean, you go in another, that's a good point. And I, 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 I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of people online are complaining, well, how does that even work? Because if in our dimension, you can't go beyond the speed of light. So hyperspace is, is clearly another dimension. Why wouldn't it just pass through the ship harmlessly? So she stops just short of it, but the momentum carries her through, but she can't be, right. they can't take a beat on her and shoot her. So. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So that was that was the fascinating part. And the uh, irritating part was, I think I already mentioned the fact that uh, 
with all their technology, they didn't have a way to remotely pilot that ship or <laughs> have an autopilot because basically all they're doing is just moving in one direction for a long time. You know, yeah. they could have just turned the engines off and they would be moving True. in that same direction for, for a long time. Um, but then they wouldn't be able to do that sublight stuff unless they actually had remote control. So they could have done that by remote control too, mm -hmm. but no. Blanche? Frankly, fascinating for me was that I left this film feeling kind of wishy-washy about it. Mm -hmm. It's probably the first Star Wars film that left me ambivalent. So it was real personal, my fascinating and irritating. Was, I was fascinated by, wow. Your reaction. I, I, yeah, my reaction. And and I wondered if it was that the, the bloom, you know, the, 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 the bloom is gone. Um, I obviously the force awakens had years of anticipation for it. I mean, even though the, the first three prequels, there were, I mean, my God, they were full of anticipation, right? I mean, I, people stood in line for tickets. You stood in line to get into the theater. It was, we did. it was and an you, amazing experience. And you couldn't hear the movie because everybody would be yelling at the screen. They yeah. were cheering yeah. and clapping and yeah. And, and, and then force awakens the force awakens had a similar feel because it was the first and yet again a long time with a new you know new company it was the disney version and, and you felt that maybe <laughs> who after the first trilogy you go wow maybe it'll be better because you know disney knows how to tell a story and it was it really was and jj abrams right he's he's an entity of an, in and of itself and and then of course rogue one i i loved i'm telling it right there I loved it. So for me, fascinating was how I just didn't love this film. I didn't hate it. I'll see the next one. Absolutely. Of course I will. But I, I just didn't leave thinking, oh my gosh, I can't wait until the next one. So that's my fascinating. Okay. <laughs> Irritating. I don't know. Irritating was... Gosh, I did have an irritating, and it just went away. Oh, no, the whole middle section. The whole middle section that I, I am only hoping sets up the future. Because if it doesn't set up future episodes, I hate it. <laughs> okay. Fascinating for me. One thing I did like about this movie was was it did take uh, sharp, unexpected turns. Major and minor ones. John and I were talking earlier about how he, you know, he, you wait you wait year, two years for him to take that damn lightsaber out of her hand and then he just flips it over his shoulder. But I was never really ahead of the story, like I and most sentient creatures are with the Lucas Star Wars films. This one continually did the unexpected thing, so much so that when a character says, I am going to do this thing, and then goes ahead and does that thing, that's the last thing you expect. That actually is, is a surprise. For example, Luke says... I came to this island to die. And guess what? He never leaves the island and he dies there. Didn't see that coming. Uh, <laughs> irritating. Um, there's a YouTuber named Jenny Nicholson who's, who's uh, very funny. I cannot recommend her channel too fervently. Uh, big Star Wars nerd amongst her other interests. Said the first part of the movie felt slow to her because it was two movies, each proceeding at a normal narrative pace. But when you combine them like that, that makes them both seem slow. In other words, the molasses-like pace of the beginning was an optical illusion. Now, my feeling about that is Empire Strikes Back is also two movies. 
the mm-hmm. Luke the Luke trains with Yoda on Dagobah story, intercut mm-hmm. with the Cloud City shenanigans. Mm-hmm. But that never felt slow to me. Um, mm-hmm. I think why this did is because in this case you're watching two stories where you are waiting for something to happen rather than watching something happening. In mm-hmm. both cases, both movies, Empire and this one, there's a slam bang opening with lots of action and mayhem. But then in this one, the Leia story settles into the galaxy's most boring chase sequence. It's basically one of those dreams where you're running from a monster, but no matter how fast you go, the monster keeps slowly gaining on you. And I mean slowly gaining on you. Um, yeah. While Luke the, and... The, the Emp- the, but, but just, just to, just to mm-hmm. butt in, I apologize. The, the Empire thing was because they introduced you to two completely different worlds that you didn't know anything about. So it was much more engaging because you had to pay attention to learn what they were about. Right? Dagobah and... The Cloud, cloud Planet. Yeah. Those were completely new. So you had to like, what? Wait, what? 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 And 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 in this film, all the great accolades of Ryan Johnson, as as they're they're uh, earned, he also gets demerits for that because he didn't do that for us. Go ahead. That's true. On Cloud City, you meet Lando Calrissian, who's a very who's another interesting, great. I hope they bring him back for the last movie. To, I do too. To fill I in the, the the gap. I keep saying I hate fan service, and then I keep asking for fan servicey things. But, but I would really enjoy. But we that. know that, that that they were they were planning fan service with Leia. So can we plan it with him? Maybe it seems it seems fair. Anyway. Um, and then and then the the Luke and the Ray story, for the whole first part of it, is just her going, "Hey, we need you to do this thing," and Luke going, "Don't wanna," and her going, "But you gotta," and him going, "Nah." Which has all the drama Mm -hmm. of trying to get your older brother to drive (laughs) you and your friends to the mall on a Saturday, but he'd rather spend the day up in his room with one of dad's playboys he found in the garage and, you know, smoke a roach and listen to Supertramp. And they threw in George Lucas-y elements of like, oh, by the way, did you see this creature that I invented that I'm going to milk now? And the the caretaker creatures just because we're going to just add creatures now for the hell of it. And the porgs. Because well, the porgs, which I t- learned that may or may not be true, but kind of makes sense because they, where they filmed, and because the well, let's be honest, they look and at, and seem like little puffins, mm-hmm. and turns out that's exactly what they are, because they felt it was easier to turn puffins into porgs instead of eliminate the puffins entirely. That's what they did in their their filming, and then they added the puffins, I mean porgs, to the. The rest of the film, the porgs, because the the, the the puffins were in the shots in mm-hmm. the, the the landscape, so they just turned them into porgs. Well, you know, they just had crappy PAs and second ADs <laughs> that if they can't clear the shot of puffins, you're just not doing your job. But okay, but I think like, you know. oh sure, I think it's an excuse to sell plush toys, but that's yeah, yeah, yes. And the, the last thing I will say is there was a lot of sniffing and surreptitious eye wiping at the end of The Last <laughs> Jedi, both yeah. in the scene where where Luke defiantly tells Kylo Ray that he, Luke, will not, in fact, be The Last Jedi, whatever crap the title is telling you. Also, yeah. and at the end, when he was crumpled up on that stone altar, gazing at the twin sons of Octo, while the Luke gazes at Tatooine's binary star system music mm-hmm. from A New Hope played. <coughs> Bless you. Yeah. And I was deeply touched by that, although he collapsed in a way that reminded me of one of Fred Sanford's heart attacks. Yes. This is a big one. It's a big one. I'm, I'm coming, I'm like, Obi-Wan. I, 
I don't believe you. I, I thought to myself, yeah. <laughs> you're going to be back. <laughs> but here's the thing. And this is this is this is a tangent and probably for another show. But I got a little misty eyed by that. I but not as much as I think I might have if I'd liked the film better and had fewer problems with it. I But I will admit now the f- one film this year that made me weep unashamedly was Coco. I don't know. How nice segue. Very nicely done. So speaking of that, and we may we may make this a bonus track. So we all we all three saw Coco, and I just want to say that as much as I admire the state of the art in computer animation, uh, usually it's it does a workmanlike job, but this was the most gorgeous film, the most gorgeous animated film I've ever seen. Wasn't it, was, it beautiful? It was unbelievably beautiful. I had no clue going into it that it was going to be that stunning. I just thought, oh, how boring. It's going to be a bunch of skeletons. That's going to be hard to tell who's who. You know, wasn't the case and with the back. As I, exactly. As I said to you that uh, when I came out of the movie, I just said, because I love the movie so much, I just said, let's just get right to the uh, fascinating, irritating, because I just loved everything about this movie. Every, almost everything. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's do it for this one. What did, what, did you, what did you love about Coco? First of all... It, the rendering was just so they get they're getting so so good with the rendering, but because they as you said they had skeletons and these skeletons are showing emotions, yeah. and I'm like it's a skeleton and yet I'm getting emotion from these skeletons and that um, and the rendering of that water in the pit where they threw them in the pit mm-hmm. that was just so beautiful so crisp and beautiful and stuff and I just I just thought everything about that was just like as you said the most beautiful uh, animated movie. The thing that irritated the hell out of me, other than the having to sit through some of the most the wackiest uh, animated films about the about the show in the previews, I was saying, why why are we be subjected to this? Oh yes, it's a kids film. <laughs> anyway, it's just so much wackiness. Um, the thing that irritated me was with all this beautiful rendering that they do. They get this one character, the dog, that is completely unbelievable with his tongue hanging out and flipping around all over the place. I said, why? you got all this wonderful stuff, and then you get throw this one character in there that's similar to that uh, that, that, that chicken on uh, Moana, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just like all this beautiful rendering, and you have to have this one goofy character that's just n- totally not believable, not drawn very well, and just, you know, you got to live with this. And, of course, it played a part, but you, you could have done him better. Yeah, you know, that was the thing that irritated me. Mm-hmm. Flash? Fascinating, irritating. Fascinating is, I remember when, some years ago, Disney wanted to copyright the words Dia de los Muertos. Seriously? Yes. Ugh. And I was... Livid? Yeah. See, I, here I we, we just defended you, Disney, and then we, I, we, we have to remember no, that, that, that you're jerks. Yeah, I, well, I love Disney. I'm a Southern California girl. Mm. My whole upbringing is Disney. I mean, I you're, you're from California. You understand, like, every year when you're a kid, at some point in time, whether it's for your birthday, for a friend's birthday, just because. Grad night in high school. Grad night, exactly. You go to Disneyland. Every year you go to Disneyland at least once. And for some people, certainly in the Orange County, you go 
I mean, I met kids who, you know, they're, you know, from Anaheim who their whole upbringing is Disney because they, they had uh, annual passes and they would go to Disney every day. They'd go to Disneyland after, like, <laughs> this was something I learned when I went to university was that kids in Anaheim, mm-hmm. uh, they had annual passes and they didn't have babysitters. They had Disneyland. <laughs> they, after school, were to go directly to Disneyland and they did homework there. They did, they would get together and they would study. They did stuff at Disneyland uh, because, and then at dinner time or whatever, they then they went home wow. when their parents got out of work. <laughs> yeah, this is, and, and here, the rest of the world, by the way, Southern California land. This is what people in Anaheim and Southern California land do. Uh, until recently, because then Disney, because things have gotten scarier in the world, unfortunately, and there have been threats for children and you know people trying they to have they don't let children. unaccompanied children they don't let unaccompanied children under the age of i think 14 so that's that's unfortunately not available to the families of anaheim they're like oh shit that was the cheapest babysitter ever for like 250 dollars a year, for the Di- year disneyland I daycare had a babysitter every night exactly disneyland daycare my kid would just take the bus to disneyland after school and then i could pick them up there after work. Um, but anyway, so fascinating was that Disney, I don't know, especially after that, them trying to copyright a holiday, Dia de los Muertos, I, which I was thoroughly appalled and offended at. After that debacle and utter misunderstanding of the whole thing, could put this movie out, which was thoroughly researched, beautifully rendered. And undeniably, somehow, grokking the Mexican culture in the way that it did. Mm-hmm. Even in the way that they took some things and that, that had nothing to do with Dia de los Muertos and put it in the story as if it, they did, but without being offensive. You know, turned it into part of this mythology, even though they knew it didn't, but they wanted to put it in there anyway because they understood that it was such a big part of the culture that they, they wanted to include it in the film and share it with the world. And that was so fascinating to me. Irritating? Hmm. Well, for me, as a Southern Californian, Mexican-American woman, was that it, it was released at Thanksgiving and not before the Los Muertos. I do understand that that was due to the the American market, mm-hmm. and that that was a big release date and better. When and was, was it? When was it released? Did, when was it released in Mexico? It was released in Mexico in October, okay. before the Los Muertos. So it was ready to go for that, and they had been watching it and they were loving it. It's like the the biggest box office hit in Mexican history, isn't it? Yeah. For me fascinating what well let me let me do irritating first because i i like the movie i don't want to end on a downer uh irritating for me was i was just i was ahead of the story the whole time as soon as the um the disreputable guy with no family who keeps trying to sneak across the bridge showed up i knew he was he and not the um mexican film star was going to turn out to be uh the kid's great great grandfather which was fine it it didn't impact my enjoyment of the movie um and I was, uh, as I said, I was weeping so much at the end of it that the uh, family of Latinas and 
various generations of kids who were sitting next to me, like the, the grandmother reached over and like patted my arm at the end. I was trying, Aww. I like wasn't sobbing, but I was like, you know, like I kept, you're you know, sniffling. I was sniffling a little bit. And she like reached over and patted me. The fascinating thing for me was uh, this film made me think of something a writing teacher said in college, which is, if you want something to be universal, make it specific. And I thought I would have nothing really to re- to relate to in this film. It was all about thing, you know, family, traditions, and all things I didn't really have. So I thought I was just sort of I would just sort of stare at it uncomprehendingly. And yet, because it was so specific about these traditions, and it really hit hammered home these themes of what it's like to be part of a bigger family, and and the joys and the burdens of that, things unfamiliar to me, it made the film more relatable in an in a way I can't explain but I got drawn into it more even though there were all these customs and Spanish words I didn't understand so kudos yeah the fact that they went that they were so specific uh, about uh, the cultural background of the of the story I think really illuminated it as brilliantly as did the animation so I, I I'm so grateful for that Scott, actually, um, that says a lot. Interestingly enough, and I was trying to call it up on my phone, which of course has frozen, (laughs) but um, because I need it now. But yeah, the the universality of the story. I read a uh, an article about how Disney was able to get this through the Chinese censors Mm -hmm. because they decided to bend the rules for it. Because apparently, Chinese censors don't allow ghost stories. Oh, really? Which it kind kind of is. Kind of, yeah. Because I won- I did wonder how universal these these stories were going to be, but when they say that it uh, is universal enough to get past the Chinese censors, that says a lot. You know, they don't allow ghost stories, but they were able to get it through because apparently the Chinese practice a similar. I mean, they have they have yeah. a form of ancestor worship that's right that, that that struck so much to the heart of the the people who were evaluating the film. Disney was able to to coerce them into saying, "Yeah, but you know, it's it's so much like you, you know, seriously, mm. you'll love it." And they went ahead and went with it, and of course, it's had a great great time in in China, and that's so cool. But anyway, I I don't I don't I I don't know what to say about this film. I, I love it. Um, I know, I, I'll say, I know, I remember when, when it was first announced and people were saying, eh, I saw the Book of Life. Why do we need another one? Mm-hmm. I wanted to slap those people and say, what do you mean? <laughs> oh, yeah, sure, because uh, I, I saw The Natural. Why do I need to see any other baseball movie? Right. I don't need to see Field of Dreams. The, they're different points of view. They're different, mm-hmm. they're different tellings of the same. It's just a genre film. Uh, I'm happy that uh, Disney woke up to realize that, hi, Latin American culture is the majority of our hemisphere. Mm -hmm. The majority of our hemisphere, the Western hemisphere, speaks Spanish Mm -hmm. completely, Uh, except for Brazil. They speak Portuguese. But uh, interestingly, interesting point about that is um, I I saw a trailer uh, for the film before it came out. And it was for Spain, right? A trailer for Spain. And it was so funny. They, thank goodness, Disney, uh, after the trailer, decided not to dub the film into uh, Spanish. 
but to keep it in the Mexican dialect, mm-hmm. um, which was great because it was kind of funny to hear these, you know, Mexican uh, villagers and Mexican crooners in uh, Spanish dialect. This Castilian, that, Castilian. It was ridiculous. It was. Like, they realized, oh, yeah, it's not just a language that's different. It's the whole culture. And thank goodness they when they shipped it to to Spain, and, and that it was like, you know, you're gonna listen to it in Spanish, in you know Mexican Spanish. You're not gonna listen to it in Spanish, Spain Spanish. And I was really happy to hear that because it's a Mexican story. It's not a, a Spanish story. Mm-hmm. It's Mexican. Specifically, really specifically, and it needed to be heard that way. Really nicely done. Okay. All right. Thanks for joining us for our second anniversary Star Wars special. Thanks to Disney for releasing their Star Wars movies on a schedule which conveniently coincides with our anniversaries. And if you haven't listened to John and Blanche's treatment of the holiday anti classic One Magic Christmas, please check it out. I think you'll enjoy it. At least more than the people who made it did, because. Everybody on screen in that movie looks like they're in a fugue state. Jeff and I will be back on or around New Year's Eve for our annual yearly roundup. And by roundup, I mean we'll be sitting with an open container of potent weed killer with two straws because it's been that kind of year. And in the meantime, don't be a stranger. Just be strange. <laughs>